everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at friendship part two. Today, we're going to be looking at what the hurdles are in and around friendship and specifically how those hurdles prevent us from stepping into or leaning into or even having the meaningful friendships that we believe are vitally important for people to have. We hope this is beneficial for you. You're listening to Saints in Society, where we aim to equip saints to live in and engage with their society. We pray that through discussion and reading the word, we can engage culture in its terms, but not on them. The gospel speaks to all of life and provides all the answers we seek. So let's apply the gospel to our lives, living as saints in society. Brad, question for you. Mm-hmm. What is one or two things that you are decent at, good at, and what is one or two things that, am I putting you to sleep already? <laughs> <laughs> what is one or two things that you're not so good at? You can't think of anything you're not good at? Was that the... Yeah. Well, you said only one or two things I'm good at, so I'm having <laughs> a hard time You have a scroll that you're going to roll down. out? Yeah. Mm. I can only think of dumb things. Um, I think I'm decent at teaching. Hopefully I'm right in that assumption because I do it a lot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I think I am decent at taking maybe more complex ideas and communicating them simply or simpler. Can still grow in it, but I think that's something I'm good at. Okay. Give me one more. <laughs> uh, I know the list is massive, so to choose just one more from that list has got to be difficult. But well, if you could I'm just, just trying to think if I want to go with a meathead answer or oh, yeah. something Please more do. interesting. Please do. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. I mean, for my size, I'm pretty good at bench press. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> for your size. For my, yeah. Yeah. So for... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to win any competitions, but if you looked at me, you'd probably guess that my okay. max bench is lower than it is. All right. So for a wee little man. For a wee little man. <laughs> yeah. Impressive bench. The other thing I was going to say is I think I'm... Never mind. Okay. What's the, well, you can't do that. I feel like you... Well, you... I was... I don't think I'm a very creative person, but I really love building things. Okay. So... Uh, Riggs has like been getting into Legos and there's like a, a creativity in me that is coming out and like playing with Legos with him and building stuff. So I think I'm good at building things from okay. Legos. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like all of those answers were lame. Okay. Uh, one or two things maybe you're not so good at answering these questions at the beginning of the podcast. Um, not good at. Uh, it could be anything. Clipping fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing was a setup for you to make that joke right there. Um, Just came to me. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at organization, organizing things, cleanliness. We've talked about that before. And I'm not good at singing. I have a really bad singing voice. Oh, yeah. I wasn't saying like, oh, yeah, you do. I think I've heard you sing. I just... Consider it a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. What else am I not good at? Can't walk on my hands. Okay. Like a thorn in my side. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully, thankfully that's not like the normal way humans get around, you know? Yeah. 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 
you know, maybe someday. Yeah. All right. If your legs ever get chopped off, you're, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you? What are a couple things you're good at? Okay. I think one of the things that I'm good at is building relationships or like if I walk into a room, I think just quickly conversing with the people in the room, building mm-hmm. relationships like that. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know. You can talk to anyone. Yeah. So I think something like that. Heckling with people that I don't know that well and mm-hmm. diving into that. So something like that. I think another one would be calling. Since I was little, I, I Oh, had, like animal calling. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 What did like, you think? I didn't know. Oh. I was like you're calling like, on the phone? Like you're no. good at calling people? Yeah. So I'm, if you, you put a phone in front of me. <laughs> You're going to be blown away with how good I can call someone. Continue on. I know what you're talking about now. Animal calls. Yes. Since I was little, I loved martial arts, but then I also loved calling. And uh, I started duck hunting when I was really little, and I was fascinated by the guy who was calling. Mm. And so my dad got me duck calls, and I fell in love with duck calling, and I fell in love with goose calling. And since then, I think I have like a knack for picking up calls and figuring out how the calls work, and I'm I'm just very fascinated by it. I, I enjoy it. And so it's something that I like. Yeah. And if I had to pick another one, I'll, I'll give you Meathead one. Okay. I, I think I'm just good at hustling. So, well, I mean. <laughs> I thought you were going to say everything. Well, <laughs> Athletic. <laughs> I'm just all around awesome at every sport. Yeah. You know? So, no, I, I think uh, where I lack in, you know, whatever athletic ability it would be, it would just be made up through hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What aren't you good at? I don't at? think I, oh. I don't know that I can even bench press more than you and I'm. Like twice the man you are, so. <laughs> well, if you can't bench press more than me, how possibly could you be twice the man? <laughs> I don't know, Brad. I just wanted to say that. Three yeah. things I'm not good at. Yep. I also would uh, agree with you in the organizational department. That's definitely not a strength of mine. Also, when administrative tasks pile up, they overwhelm me. And so mm. maybe that's kind of the same thing. And so getting overwhelmed. I don't think I'm good at seeing the best in people. Or assuming the best motives, something that I've realized. And I don't think I'm good at patience. Hmm. So you went with like deep stuff. Well, when you're good at all the other stuff, mm-hmm. you just have to yeah. make up stuff. You gotta so. dig deep. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like those are like kind of spiritual type things mm-hmm. on the tail end there. Yeah. Is there any non spiritual thing you're bad at? Non spiritual things I'm not good at would be numbers, budgeting. I don't like those things. I'm not mm. good at them. Yeah. Not natural for me. Numbers and stuff. Yeah, numbers. We're probably go. This is like a 20-minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> I bet people are just enthralled by what we're good and not good at. <laughs> yeah. Like, my gosh, fellas, friggin' get on with it. Uh, friendship part two. Friendship part two. Yep. Uh, real quick, before we jump into this, can you go ahead and show everyone or explain to everyone what you're drinking over there? Uh, yeah. So I have... <laughs> I just a pretty basic. I don't even know. What, yeah, how to pronounce this? There's something else. Water, water company. So just because you said you're twice the man as me, I wanted to point out your oh. frappuccino. Well, I was being there, nice. But... I feel like I should have said three times. Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, this guy. <laughs> How'd that get there? <laughs> Zach, your drink is on my table. Zach's our producer. I don't. This happens again. Do you anyway. spell Zach R I C K? You can. Crazy. You can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, friendship part two. Uh, we did part one a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, uh, where we talked about the importance of friendship. We gave a definition for friendship. So definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, and we said part two was going to be on some of the cultural and social hurdles 
uh, for friendship. We've we kind of established that friendship is a super important part of our life that is often overlooked and not pursued. Uh, and that's for a lot of reasons. Today, we're going to try to tackle some of the kind of big cultural pressures or cultural things that are working against us in prioritizing friendship. Okay. So, Did you want me to update you? You said? What? Did you want me to still update you? Update me? Well, you said when I'm down to just the whipped cream to let you know so we can split that part. <laughs> Did you not want me to say that on air? No, you're supposed to give me the signal. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, the nonverbal yeah, signal. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> so uh, friendship is important, but it's really difficult. Why is that the case? I think there's things uh, in our cultural current that are, we're swimming upstream against. But And so it's important to identify these things and then see how the gospel speaks into those and hopefully counters them so that we can pursue meaningful friendship. Yeah, good. So part one. We unpacked a lot there, even how the gospel shapes friendships. Part two, we're going to look at some of the hurdles. What are, if you had to categorize, like, what are the primary hurdles? What would those hurdles be? Uh, I, so there's a lot, I think. I tried to boil it down to four. And I'll say right off the bat, these things are not in and of themselves bad. Um, we'll talk about it. But uh, these are things that exist in our culture that make friendship difficult. So the four things are independence, technology, geography, and romantic relationships. And we'll work through them one at a time. So the first thing that I think makes friendship difficult is independence. I think uh, on one hand, independence is a good thing. From the moment we are born, we are on a trajectory of independence. We're born completely and totally dependent upon our parents, specifically our mom. But then we're on a, a fast track to independence as far as our biology and life goes. Um, but then we take that to, I think, extreme lengths to, uh, and there's this attitude in our culture, especially in the West, of um, independence from anyone else to, to where we don't need people. We don't need people to help us or to push us or to uh, support us. We want to be able to do things on our own. And so a lot of the phrases that we have in our culture um you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps is kind of like a, no one that I know says that in a serious way, but maybe you used to say that. Um, Even songs. Yeah. So many songs and statements are about independence and the pride of oh, being absolutely. independent. Is this Kelly Clarkson song, isn't there one called like Miss Independent? Or maybe that's just how it starts off or something like that. I don't know. Just yeah. keep your distance. It's <laughs> unafraid. <laughs> I can keep going if you okay, want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a huge Kelly Clarkson fan over here. I think it's um, her. But the, the, the phrase like a self-made man, like a self-made yeah. man is someone who got to where they are on their own. They didn't take handouts, um, but they, they worked really hard, which again, we're not saying hard work and some degree of independence is a bad thing necessarily. We're just saying that this, uh, this culture of independence and individualism and in, uh, uh, not admitting weakness or the need for help from others makes friendship difficult. The American dream, um, well, even our country, independence, was founded on this idea that we are independent mm -hmm. and this idea of freedom. Freedom is a good thing. Independence is a good thing. But with that comes a separation from others and a, a lack of admitting uh, a need for help from others as well um, that in, ends up isolating us. Yeah. Uh, so much of Friendship, I think, is depending upon one another for help and support, um, for fun and laughter and all the things that friendship provides. But when you are culturally conditioned to uh, not need anyone for anything, but to make it on your own, then friendship is going to become 
difficult. So that, that, I think that's one aspect or one thing that we see in our, our kind of individualistic Western, constantly pursuing progress at all costs. Um, in this independent world, people become either obstacles that we have to overcome to mm-hmm. reach our goals and achieve our dreams or achieve our goals and reach our dreams. Or they're like stepping stones. We were talking about this earlier. Like mm-hmm. people become, uh, they're, they're only, we only engage with people if they are somehow useful to mm-hmm. us for our own selfish pursuits. And totally. so it's, it's a utili- utilitarian pursuit of friendships, of, you know, networking and connecting with people mm-hmm. in the business world is all about knowing the right people so that you yourself can advance somehow mm-hmm. in the business world. And so even these like social networking events that are that like, put on this like this guise of connection and friendship and relationships is really just a selfish endeavor to if I know and connect with the right people then they can propel me to my own personal totally. goals yep. and dreams. So 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 that's I think that's our culture's permeated with this independence that causes us to resist people, friendships because we don't think we need them. We don't think yeah. we need people. You talked a lot about our culture's influence on independence. Would you also say and, and you, you briefly talked about this from a young age, but, but would you say that our sin nature because of the fall is also drives us toward independence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, I think the part of the core of sin is a, we don't need God. We can do this on our own, which then leads to that kind of mentality and in, in every other area of life is mm-hmm. I don't, I am enough. I can do this on my own, my decisions. Uh, it's like in Judges, there was no king in the land and they did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. Why they do what was right in their own eyes? Because they thought that what their own eyes saw and thought is the best way, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I think our, there it's a uh, sin is you, you define sin the other day in your sermon as a selfish rebellion against God. And it is this selfish inward turning, looking inward to make decisions that have my best interest in mind. And when you do that, you reject God and then you end up rejecting other people as well, mm-hmm. unless they can somehow help s- satisfy or feed your own selfish pursuits and desires. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about friendship, how to foster friendships. Uh-huh. We laid out in the first one, a lot about the gospel. We're looking at hurdles. One of the biggest hurdles that people are going to face is that from our, even our own sin nature and from the youngest of age, we are pushed towards being independent people. Mm-hmm. So the first hurdle Toward friendship is independence yeah. and even individualism. Yep. What's another hurdle? Uh, the second one is technology. So technology, I feel like gets talked about a lot um, because it's so part of our world, but technology has had a massive impact on human connection, relationships, and friendships. So social media alone has completely changed the landscape of friendship. We're in a in an age where you can connect, and I'm doing air quotes for people who are listening, you can connect with more people than you've ever been able to connect with before in human history. But that connection is surface level. It only goes so deep. Um, And so you have friends online or you have followers online or you have, you know, YouTube subscribers or whatever it is. And that ends up becoming this community Mm -hmm. of friends. That's what we think. Even that's what it's called on Facebook, right? Facebook's kind of a thing of the past, but it started out as Facebook friends, right? We, that term got co-opted by Facebook to like these internet online connections you have, um, even, uh, emailing, texting, like the, the, the primary forms of communication that we now use are, are, are impersonal, right? I'm Mm -hmm. sending you a, a message that you read, like you were reading a book and there's, there's little or limited face-to-face interaction. And so uh, 
technology has in some ways done a lot to connect people, but has in, I think, more ways done a lot to disconnect people in any kind of real and meaningful way. Online friendships are like all of the reward without any of the risk, right? You you feel approved of, you feel connected, you feel liked, um, you have a community, a sense of belonging, but there's no risk. If someone offends you or makes you mad, you can just unfollow them or block them and you move on. And there there, there was no pun intended, I guess. There's no skin in the game in that relationship. There's mm-hmm. no face-to-face. There's no human actual interaction and connection. And so if it's a surface level online relationship, it can end as quickly as it started by the click of a button. Yeah. And so, so, so the, there's a lack of depth in our relationships with one another because we're so used to having these, I think, false or surface level connections, relationships with people online. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as pornography. Mm -hmm. Pornography is low risk. You want some form of satisfaction, fulfillment, but you don't ever want to face rejection. Yeah. And so you get some sort of fill off pornography yet mm-hmm. at the same time, you're still lonely. And, and yeah. so, so yeah. Yeah. Look, look at all the types of relationships we we're meant to have and how they've been replaced by some online form of that yeah. marriage or romantic relationships have been replaced by pornography, social circles. You know, there's Facebook groups for moms of toddlers who live in Thurston or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you, you, you create all these places where there used to be human connection. Now, you know, there's forums for Ram truck owners and, you know, it's like that you mm-hmm. create all these online things and even church, right? It's like church is supposed to be this, relational, personal, in-person connection, but now we have online church and you can mm-hmm. join our online campus and you can be a part of our, our, our online family. And you know, there's, there's all the same words used to describe what used to be a intimate, personal, relational, like face-to-face connection. Are, those same words are now described to talk about these digital online connections, but they're yeah. not the same thing. Just imagine that someone's like, how was the Sunday gathering? Oh, this morning was incredible. I was there in my living room. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see, I think it was John. It was hard. I couldn't, the, the camera had a little yeah. odd, odd angle. Hopefully they'll fix that, you know? Yeah. Because it was uncomfortable yeah. on my couch. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. like, oh, man, totally. so superficial. I also wonder if it's produced a thin skinned society. Oh, yeah. Because if the only thing that you get is uh, thumbs up or likes or I'm, I'm not on any social media platform, so I don't even know, but, but it's, but I do remember that. That's that's what it was. It was like you post something in hopes that people mm-hmm. like it. And it's like we almost don't know what to do then when with constructive criticism. Yeah, totally. And, and so how can you engage in a real friendship when we talked last time? A, a real friendship is a real friend is going to tell you difficult things. Well, mm-hmm. then we start to engage in one and our friend tells us, uh, you know, an area we can grow or something. It's like we don't know what to do because mm-hmm. we've only got thumbs up and likes from all of our social yeah. media accounts. Like, who is this person? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, the all, most, I think, social media platforms, the reactions you can give are only positive. And if the only way you can give a negative act, reaction is a comment, which can be blocked, deleted and unfollowed or unfriended. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can control the amount of negative feedback you're getting by just eliminating it and then only ever get positive feedback through likes and comments and you know follows and all that kind of stuff, which puffs up our ego and then gives us this expectation that everyone in my life should approve of me Mm -hmm. and everything I do. And so there's no willingness to receive any kind of negative feedback. Uh, Another form of technology that I was just thinking about is yes, social media, but also television because we can literally watch shows now called friends. Mm -hmm. We can watch all these shows about all these people 
living together and having all these friendships. And it's almost like we feel like we're caught up into their friendships and their lives. And so when shows stop uh, and seasons end, it's, there's such like sadness. Friends. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Oh my goodness. I was so connected to the personal story of their lives and stuff yeah. like that. And that's the depth of what we're giving ourselves mm-hmm. to. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying technology is in and of itself bad. We're using it right now to record this podcast. And I'm looking at my computer that has notes on it. Um, and my phone is buzzing with text messages from my wife. Like I, the, uh, technology is not in and of itself a bad thing, but I think it has had a negative impact on human connection and friendship that is worth acknowledging so that we can try to remove ourselves from that digital world and engage in more face-to-face yep. personal friendships. All yep. right. So quick unpack. Yep. First hurdle, independence. Yep. Second hurdle, technology. And just to be clear with technology, you said that anyone that has technology, that's uh, that's the sign of the mark of the beast and they're probably going to hell. That's exactly what okay. I said. I just want to make sure that yeah. the <laughs> listeners heard you loud and clear. So you, and you hate all of them. Okay. Yeah. And then what's the third one? Uh, the third one is an interesting one. Uh, that I've thought about a little bit and be curious that, yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation about, but that's geography. Hmm. Um, the invention of cars and the interstate and highways, uh, really changed society to where you can live in one place. Oh, I I get where you're going. you, You can drive an hour in some places to your work you drive another half an hour to where you go to the gym. Hmm. You drive another half an hour to where you go to church and then you have no interaction with the people that you actually live next to in your neighborhood. So our, our, our like, we have the ability to spread our lives out geographically in all these different places. And the, the time then spent traveling to all these different places limits the time you can spend actually engaging with community where you live. So yep. this is one of those things where it's like, again, I don't know if... There's a, I really like cars and interstates and highways. And, you know, I like that I can drive across town, you know, like, and, and, and do different things. I'm really glad I don't have to ride a horse and buggy. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but I think all of those things have a negative side to where I don't know my neighbors very well because I'm only ever home in the evenings. And then on the weekends, we're driving to the gym or we're driving to somewhere else or, you know, we're just, we're, we're rarely in one place geographically for an extended amount of time that allows for relationships and friendships to be built. I, I don't know my neighbors very well, not because of that only. There's also like my own issues. So just to say that, yeah. um, but I think, so kind of a, a thought experiment I was doing, uh, I used to be a college pastor. So did, uh, led a college ministry, uh, on a college campus here at U of O in Eugene. And, um, I watched time after time after time these these uh, college students who were entrenched in community and were on fire for Jesus and they were they were uh, they were pursuing Christ and they uh, had these awesome friendships and relationships. They graduate college, they try to get plugged into the church, and then time and time again, I would hear like I'm having a really hard time connecting with people. I'm having a really hard time making friends. I'm having a really hard time. And and it's like this, there's a lot of things that we could point out about the difference between college life and life after college. But one of those things is simply uh, your geography, right? When you're at college, you're all living in the dorms or you're living in a, mm, a interesting, a, yeah. in like a location. You have the same schedules for the most part. You attend the same gym. 
you attend the same cafeterias and restaurants. Like your life same is- Same age, same interest. Yeah. yeah. Your entire life is in like one square mile mm-hmm. of the college campus and the dre- immediately surrounding areas. And then you get into a church with a community of people that live all over town and friendship and relationships all of a sudden become a lot more difficult and not as natural, not as easy. And I think, again, I think there's a lot of reasons why that is. And there's some maybe unrealistic expectations that those college students have had. But part of that, I think, is attributed to the geography. And if you think about most of human history, you didn't have the ability to like to drive 15 miles and to go to the gym yep. or to church. It's like who you lived around, that was your community. Yep. And, you know, And so um, we've had people come to us for counsel pastorally about potentially moving. I've read uh, interactions that other pastors have had with people who will like write in and ask a question like, Hey, considering moving to a neighborhood in our city because it's lower cost of living and a cheaper house. And that would be beneficial for my family. Is that a good enough reason to move? And the response from the pastor was like, maybe, but there's other things that should be taken into consideration. Namely, or or most importantly, where is your community? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a story, uh, we've maybe talked about it, about, uh, I think it was a new pastor that was moving to town, and, um, or someone in their church was looking to buy a house in one neighborhood, was nicer homes, nicer schools, a better neighborhood, but not a lot of people from their church lived there. The other neighborhood was not as nice of homes, not as nice of schools, but a lot of people from their church lived in that neighborhood. And the pastor's counsel was move to the worst neighborhood where your church community is. And I just, we normally don't make decisions based on that. We make decisions about where we live based on uh, dream home, dream home. Yeah. And I'll admit, I would love to have five acres out in the country. That's like close enough to town that I can still go to Costco, but far enough away from town that I have like my own little chunk of paradise. And it's like, that's that's not going to do me any favors for community and friendships and connection with people and especially a church family and connection if I'm geographically removed and it's a chore for anyone to come out over to my house. It like limits hospitality and those kinds of things. So not calling anyone out who lives out of town. I'm just saying that we have to acknowledge that our geography uh, plays a part in the difficulty of, of friendships. We live, my family lives in Thurston, which is like East Springfield, so we're nine miles away from the church office. Uh, so it's like a 15-minute drive. There are a few families that live out in that area. But for the most part, our church family lives further west, either in central Springfield or in Eugene. Mm-hmm. And we have two little kids. And going anywhere to like hang out with people is kind of a chore. And that doesn't yeah. mean we shouldn't do it. And we try to do it. But the just simply the distance that is required to travel to engage in friendship with people is a hurdle. And so um, I'm not saying we should all start a commune and live together, but I just think we need to think through. That's what I'm hearing. Basically the answer has become Amish. Get rid of technology, get buggies. You're stealing my punchline. Okay, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Again, not necessarily good or bad, just a, a factor that makes friendship difficult. Okay. My only pushback to the geography one Mm -hmm. is I'm sure people that live in big cities like Manhattan and stuff like that who live right next door or in these, you know, buildings where they're all, I don't know, crammed in. Yeah. That's how I picture it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's really difficult for them to still have friendships, though they're living in such close quarters with such close proximity. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that's probably because of number one and number two, 
yeah. as far as hurdles goes and, and possibly number four since we haven't talked about it. Yeah. Um, so I read something where someone said houses are homes, not assets. And oftentimes we think about our houses as assets, financial assets or, you know, which I'm not saying don't invest in real estate. I'm just saying that how are we thinking about our home? Are we most concerned about convenience for us or personal preference? Or are we thinking about how am I positioning myself around people so that I can engage in community and friendships? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. Good. All right. What's what's the fourth one? The fourth one is uh, romantic relationships. So, again, romantic relationships are not bad. But I think romantic relationships reign supreme in our culture or are prioritized above friendships. We are taught, either explicitly or implicitly, how to pursue and engage in romantic relationships more than we are friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we prioritize pursuing romantic relationships over friendships. And the problem with that is that romantic relationships and friendships are very different things. Um, sometimes we might think a romantic relationship is just friendship, but a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. And a friendship is kind of like a romantic relationship, just less intense. But that's not... That's not how we should think about friendship and 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 romance. Uh, I think they're two completely separate types of relationships. And so uh, there's an article that Sam Alberry wrote that he uh, speaks to this. I'm going to read a little bit of this article. It says, but this is to misunderstand both friendship and marriage, this idea that it's just a more intense or less intense version of the other. So they aren't merely less intense and more intense expressions of the same underlying reality, such that you can keep adding units of intimacy to friendship until it eventually becomes marriage. The architecture of both marriage and friendship are necessarily different. Marriage isn't just close friendship with added sex, nor is close friendship marriage without sex. Marriage by definition and necessity must be exclusive. It is covenantal. If it isn't exclusive, its very essence is violated. Mm. This isn't the case with friendship. Friendship doesn't require exclusivity. My friendship with even my closest friend isn't threatened by the growth of a similar friendship with someone else. It's not a zero-sum game. So you have very different types of relationships. Mm-hmm. A romantic relationship is designed to be exclusive. And if if ex- exclusivity in my marriage is being threatened, I protect that at all costs in whatever form that takes. Friendship doesn't require the same exclusivity. Friendship is very inclusive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not threatened by your friendship with someone else, even though we are a close friend. Yeah. But because we idolize and prioritize romantic relationships so much in our culture, we expect friendships to work the same way. And so then we start putting burdens on our friends to be this exclusive covenantal partner that is providing so much for us when that it was never designed to be that way in the first place. So the the this idolized the idolatry of romance and marriage and a spouse and a a soulmate and a best friend in marriage actually damages our pursuit of friendship because we expect friendship to work in a similar or the same way. We're entering into a friendship with someone in the same way we're thinking about our, our relationship with our spouse or mm-hmm. someone we're in love with. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, it's placing way too much. You'll crush your friends if you're expecting them to be your spouse because they're, it's not meant to be that way. That's not the type of relationship friendship is designed to be. So it's almost like when we're young, because we live in like a very sexualized culture, 
all we can think about is pursuing a spouse mm-hmm. or a sexual partner or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it is. And that's like the types of relationships we're conditioned to pursue. And then we don't know how to have friends. Uh, we knew how to have friends when we were kids and then everyone went through puberty and it was like, well, I don't just want to be friends. And then it, it, it like, we, we don't know how to go back to that and, and pursue friendship because all we, all we've ever known is romantic relationships. So does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Okay. It, it does make sense. I'm, I'm thinking through something, so I'm totally going to put you on the spot here, okay. but I'm trying to think through this lens. Let's say you're man and woman ages 18 to 30. Okay. Let's say you're men and women ages 30 to 40, 30 to 45. Okay. And, and then, you know, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60. Which of these hurdles do you think is going to most impact some of these different age, age ranges? Because, oh. I, yeah, be, because I don't know that I, I think there's going to be different ones mm-hmm. that are definitely impacting people at different ages. I don't feel like, you know, 50 and above are so deeply impacted by technology. Right. Maybe yeah. to some extent. But which one of these, because it's almost like I feel like the biggest hurdle for like the 18 to 35 is going to be viewing friendships in the same lens that we view romantic friendships mm-hmm. and technology. Yeah. Yeah. But but I don't know. Maybe all of them. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, independence probably affects everyone, no matter the age. Yep. Um, I feel like it's people 50 years and older that are even keeping Facebook alive. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I do agree. Like there's there's probably a lot less dependence on technology for connect, human connection in older generations. But as our world continues, that's going to change and technology is going to affect everyone. And we're kind of on the verge of that being the case. Um, yeah, geography, probably a little bit of everyone, depending on where you live. That might be more like rule. Rural. Yeah, and that's what more, I was just thinking yeah. about. Like growing up in a small town, everyone knows everyone. Like I went to school with the same people from kindergarten, preschool through senior year of high school. We ate at the same two restaurants that my had my town had, you know, like we <laughs> went to the same church, like, and you're just really involved in each other's lives. And that comes with cons because mm-hmm. um, everyone knows everyone's business. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's like probably a location thing. I remember a point I was going to make. We were talking about schools earlier and how... Uh, it used to be that you went to the school in your neighborhood or in mm-hmm. your district. Yeah. And now you can pick whatever school you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And so uh, even even like our public education system for, you know, like- Just ele- creating a hurdle. Elementary, middle school, yeah. and high school. It's like, oh, well, I want to take my kid across town to the best school, and then I'm not going to be involved in the lives of the people that go to the school that's right down the Unless street. Unless everyone in that area is also, also taking their yeah. kids to that same school. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think- uh, there's probably a little bit of all of them for every generation and some were weighted a little bit more, probably the younger you are. Yeah. The romantic relationships. And I think the romantic relationship, like conflating that with friendship is probably pretty common among single people. Um, as you're pursuing a spouse, you're also trying to navigate this world of singleness and friendship. And that, those things probably get conflated quite a bit. Okay. Here's another question. I'll, I'll put you on the spot. I, I've heard this a lot and, and I've talked to you about this. I, I've heard several I don't know, quite a few people. I'll just say it that way. I've heard quite a few people say, hey, as a man, I struggle to have and build friendships with other men. Hey, as a woman, it's hard for me to build friendships with other women. Therefore, it's way easier for me. I'm, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of 
Mm-hmm. What a woman would say. It's much easier for me. Yeah, as a, smart. <laughs> yeah, I, it's much easier for me as a woman to just go build relationships with men. I don't know why. It's just a lot easier for me. Women are weird. I connect easier to men. We just have more in common. And then you hear, you know, sometimes men make those. I don't know why. It's just kind of hard for me to connect with guys. It's just a lot easier for me to connect mm-hmm. with women. What do you think the hurdle is there? Oh, there's probably so much about, I mean, probably their relationship with their mom or dad <laughs> plays into that. Um, if they were popular or not among, you know, their friendships, what those looked like growing up. But I think, I think it, it might like this conversation we're having might play into it as well of. It was kind of leading. Cause I'm kind of thinking it's romantic. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm trying to put it into words, but it's easier for a guy to have a relationship, have a friendship with a girl because the type of relationship because he thinks friendship is a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. So so the the confusion there, it's like, man, I'm having a really hard time connecting with guys because the type of connection you're trained to yeah. look for is a romantic connection rather yeah. than a friendship. And so, well, that's easier to, to pursue with a female. And so I call this thing friendship, but then someone ends up starting. To- and every now and then we make out. Right. <laughs> Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then. Yeah. I mean, we've held hands. We go on <laughs> sunset hikes, but I mean. But we're just friends. We're, we're close. <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone ends up, there ends up jealousy. It's like, yeah. wait, I thought I was your only friend that was a guy that is non-romantic, but now you're also hanging out with this other guy. and uh, Because to your point, now it becomes this exclusive thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that's probably part of it is. The only type of relationship I know how to have outside of my family is a romantic one. Mm. I want friends. I've tried to connect with guys, but I can't do it because I'm trying to have a romantic relationship there. So I'm going to go do it where it's easy, which is with with a female, um, because the romantic relationship actually kind of works there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't anymore. And then hearts are broken. Tears are shed. Yeah. Lives are ruined. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. There's probably more hurdles. I know there are, but I think those are four big ones. Um, yeah, those are good. That that make friendship difficult. But just because something is difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue it. Um, and I am not saying we need to start a Amish community with <laughs> uh, communal garden sharing, so we're dependent upon one another and no technology, and we all live in a commune and we do arranged marriages, so we don't have to worry about dating. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, let's be aware of these things and then work against them and see how, mm-hmm. how does the gospel speak to each of these? So I think for the first one, the gospel reminds us of our, our need and dependence. If, if you, if you believe what scripture teaches that I am, there's, I cannot do anything good. I am, I am sinful uh, and in desperate need of God to save me, sustain me, sanctify me and ultimately glorify me that produces or should produce in us a humility and actually a dependence, a dependence first on God, but then a dependence that extends to other people as well. We're not saved to live in isolation and say, oh yeah, well, God gives me everything I need. I don't need anyone else. That's not true because sometimes God gives us what we need through other people, like mm-hmm. his his body, right? Or his body, his bride. Um, so, so the gospel reminds us of our sinfulness. It reminds us of our need for a savior. It reminds us of our need for being sustained. And then that need is from God, but we also need from others. Uh, we need people to bear our burdens. We need people to forgive us. We need people to love us. We need people to uh, help us. Um, and it's not a bad thing to be weak and 
or to show signs of weakness and ask for help. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. My, my mind is going crazy thinking of other hurdles. Oh. <laughs> Tell me what you think about this one. Okay. Just, just as an experiment here, vocation, your job in the same way, many people can choose a house or, you know, I forgot exactly what you said, but you can view it as a house or view it as an asset. And, and, and you think about other things besides community mm-hmm. the same way you could, you could pick a job that is basically, and, and I'm, again, I, I don't want to keep shame or guilt or anything like that on anyone that has a job like this, like, oh, you've, you know, yeah. but they might even admit that my job is very lonely because I picked a job where I don't get to work with other people, mm-hmm. but I make a ton of money doing whatever it is mm-hmm. I do. But maybe, you know, because of that, and, and because again, the way things used to work was trades. Trades make you work with other people. Now there's jobs that you can do and you can, you know, uh, be, uh, you know, you can spend all of your time on the stock market. You never have, and then you go to the gym and you put your headphones on and you never engage. And so like, it's almost like this workplace, people don't pick jobs based upon how they can build friendships and invest in community and be no, be known by people and know others. Mm -hmm. It's almost like what job is going to give me the biggest paycheck, not thinking about community and friendship. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, uh, you saying that we almost compartmentalize our life. Yeah. I go to the gym, but that's not where friends are. I put my headphones on and I do my own thing. Go to my job. That's also not where friends are. So I, I, I put my head down. I do my work with my coworkers and then I come home. Um, when I'm at home with my family, that's not where my friends are. That's my wife and my kids. So then where does friendship come in? It's like, well, I go to the golf course on Saturday and go golfing with, you know, like we, we compartmentalize our lives so much and decide this is not a friendship thing. This is not a friendship thing. This is not a friendship thing. And then when you come with like whatever time you have left in your life, it's like, well, there's no time for friendship Mm -hmm. because I've compartmentalized it so much and pushed friendship out of these other spheres that it's like, well, don't really know where I'm going to fit that one in. Yeah, totally. uh, Let's keep cruising here. We'll do this kind of speed round about how, how the gospel speaks to these. We're trained to be independent, but the gospel reminds us of our need for God and for others. And so we are then dependent upon others Mm -hmm. for help. It's not a bad thing. The gospel demands that our relationships go below the surface. The depth of intimacy and knowledge that Christ has of us and what that produces in us then is a desire to know people deeply and to be known deeply. Technology will never provide that. The gospel makes us vulnerable, Mm -hmm. vulnerable, but it also calls us to also be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the gospel also encourages proximity at the expense of preference. And so I think there's times in our life where we have to say no to preference or convenience in order to be near and close to Mm -hmm. people. When Jesus called people to follow him, there was a a closeness to that that I think his community is then supposed to experience as well. So, um, And then lastly, the gospel is a reflection of marriage. Marriage is a good thing. So our talk about romantic relationships and marriage, I'm not saying throw marriage out because marriage is a beautiful picture of this unconditional love between Christ and the church. Friendship is also a picture of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's also a, a, a picture of, of what Christ has done for us. Jesus is the friend of sinners. We, we, we're friends with him. We were once enemies and are now friends in this, uh, this uh, mutual loving relationship uh, that does look like marriage mm-hmm. in some aspects, but also looks like friendship. And so uh, we don't over-prioritize or lean too heavily on romantic relationships. We also view friendship in light of the gospel and pursue that with one another. So, um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully this is helpful. Um, a few hurdles. There's many more that make friendship difficult. I think what our maybe our hope in this is, our prayer is that we're communicating that friendship is important. Mm -hmm. And it's something that 
is lacking in our world, in our communities, but it's important. And so how are we going to pursue this, acknowledging the things that are working against us? The last episode, what we're going to do next on friendship, uh, part three is, was the practical side of things, mm-hmm. right? So yep. we're going to get super practical. So here's what friendship is and it's ideal. Here's what's preventing us from achieving that ideal. Yeah. Part three is going to be, now what do we do? How, yeah. how do we actually pursue fr- friendship in a really practical level? Acknowledging these hurdles, acknowledging the difficulties, but pressing forward and um, to pursue this. So, That's good. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode on Saints and Society, where we discussed friendship part two and looked at some of the hurdles that our culture has in and around friendship. Again, we're going to do a question and answer at the end of this season. So if you have any questions, send those in because we would love to tackle them. 